Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to Deep Water. Uh, I wanted to discuss for a few minutes here, kind of as a discussion starter, hopefully for you, uh, where you live and with the people that you're around. Um, capital punishment. Uh, we are A lot of what we're looking at here are controversial issues, issues that need more uh, kind discussion to resolve rather than people throwing rocks at each other or screaming at each other or hating each other, uh, that sort of thing. And I hope that this can be one little thing that contributes to that rather than uh, politics as normal, I'll say. Uh, and, and what we're going to talk about today, the death penalty, is for sure a political issue. And you know, I was thinking about this in, in preparation for today. And um, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm an independent, all right? And when I think about it, now I know some of you are going to be really hot at me about this, um, but I've got to speak the truth or I shouldn't be doing this, right? I don't know why everybody wouldn't be independent. I don't know, really understand why anybody would want to stamp and brand themselves as a Republican or um, a Democrat or a populist or... Um, uh, a socialist, or I, I don't know why you want to label yourself. I mean, sure, if it's if it's simply to give people um, a better idea of where you're coming from, maybe. But uh, I've never agreed with anybody about everything. Okay, Hope and I, we're about to celebrate 35 years of marriage. I love her more than I ever have. We have a wonderful relationship, but we disagree all the time, okay? So uh, this should not be about disagreements 
that causes us to fight each other and then whatever is enacted is enacted basically against the will of about 50% of people, which means no matter what happens, in a lot of cases, there's always a group that's mad. There's always a group that feels, ah, they got their way. I didn't get my way. I'm going to get them next time. Or, you know, and it's a, it sets up sort of a animosity and this side against this side. When really, as John F. Kennedy said famously, we're all human. We all breathe the same air. We all want what's best for our children. We should unite in love and joy and peace and uh, what is best for everyone concerned, uh, not just what I want and what's pleasurable for me. And I'm going to get mine no matter what happens to you. Okay? I, I don't ever want to live my life that way. I, I believe that's in opposition to living a spiritual life of love, joy, peace, caring about others, contributing to the world, um, that sort of thing. All right. Um, but, but I know I'm in the minority because most people are Democrat or Republican. All right. But I would say, okay, if you're going to do that, at least uh, research it for yourself and have your own beliefs that you have, not just because that's, the, that's what the Republican Party says or what the Democratic Party says, but what you believe from looking at it yourself and have the integrity and courage to be able to disagree with what your party says if you disagree with it. Um, and, and from a place not of anger or punishing anybody, but of finding a better solution. And I feel like that's why we're here today is, is, is there a better solution? Well, first of all, what's the problem? All right, let's talk about it. Uh, from, since 1989, 225 people have been declared innocent, and this is not current to today, I think this is current to um, seven or eight years ago, the last time this was calculated, but since 1989, 225 people have been declared innocent after years and some decades in prison. And, and not just declared innocent, the great majority of them proven innocent by DNA evidence that we now can look at that they, they, they didn't have then, all right? Uh, 123 of those 225 were from death row. So since 1989, 123 people were scheduled to be gassed to death, lethal injection, electrocution, executed, who were completely, from day one, innocent. Wow. Now that's a problem. So what we're looking at is basically 10% of the people, we'll, we'll look at this later, but it's basically 10% of the people who have been executed are believed to have been innocent. 10%. One in 10. Now, 90% sounds good in a lot of things. 
it doesn't sound good to me on this issue. Uh, what if you or your child were the one in 10 that was innocent? Uh, let's take a look at some more of the facts. Uh, half of the states basically have laws where they do not have to save evidence after the case is over and the person is in prison and it's kind of settled. They don't have to save evidence and so most of them don't. It's destroyed and, and so if that person is innocent, very often there's no way they're ever going to get out because the ev evidence, including DNA, that would have exonerated them has been destroyed. And uh, man, I believe that evidence should be preserved, especially when we know this is happening and that innocent people are in jail, going to jail, being released from jail, being exonerated, etc. Knowing all that in our climate, why in the world would every state not be saving evidence in case it's needed if they truly are wanting to be just? The blind lady justice who weighs without regard to pride or prejudice or bigotry or racial things or, or, or anything like that. Uh, every civilization that we have ever discovered, even civilizations like deep in the rainforest who still hunt with clubs and spears and go almost naked all day and, and look like pictures of civilizations from thousands of years ago. We've, we've discovered some of those civilizations recently in the 20th and even 21st century. Every civilization we've ever discovered has a system of justice. And if we were marooned on a desert island by a plane crash, that's one of the first things we would do is put in a system of justice. Okay, only one water bottle per person per day. That's all we have. Only this much food. Uh, if anyone violates that, then we're going to come up with a punishment or consequence for that because we have to protect our water and food supply for the whole, for the good of the whole. So a system of justice. The other, the, uh, the second thing we've uh, found with every civilization is that they worship something. God, the sun, a rock, um, those two things. But justice is the one most applicable today. Um, there is an unquestioned racial disparity in police stops, which end in people being put in prison or even the death penalty or whatever. And that is a huge problem. Now on one side, some people say, well, that's because that race is committing way more crimes than the other race. But I don't know how in the world we know that for sure. All right. Another issue here is that when a policeman goes into, or law enforcement, goes into a neighborhood that they know is a very dangerous neighborhood and they think they see something that looks like a gun or they think they see something that would uh, potentially be life or death dangerous to that officer, a survival instinct mechanism kicks in in that person and they don't care so much about being um, racially unjust. They don't care so much about that at that moment when 
They feel, whether it really is or not, like their life may be in danger. All right? Now, they've been trained and almost to the point of brainwashing in a good way to not be racially biased. Even if you see some, a minority or someone of a certain color in a certain neighborhood, do not react more to them than others. Yes, they've been trained that way and sometimes that training kicks in and it works well. Uh, that same similar kind of training is done for war and, and so that that soldier can go out and be an effective soldier without um, their biases, without their penalties, without their prejudices, and, and even without some of their survival instinct fears, that the brainwashing will override that so they can walk right into the valley of death uh, without hesitation, or maybe with hesitation, but they still go. All right? But you've got to know that is not a perfect system. There's never a perfect brainwashing system like that, even if it's something that's for the positive. So no matter how much that person is trained, you never know how they're going to react in the actual situation until it happens. And I'm telling you, psychologically, a significant percentage of the time, their survival instinct is going to override their training and they are going to act in a biased, prejudiced way, not because they're trying to, but because they're afraid. And that's what's happening in them. So I think we need better training for that. I think we need... Um, uh, I, I don't have the answers, but um, we've got to understand that we can't just condemn the police officer for reacting in fear for his own life when he thinks his life is in danger. Now, we also can't just put up with him killing people because he's afraid. Neither one of those will work, okay? So we've got to get together, quit throwing rocks at each other, quit screaming at each other, and work together to resolve this issue. Not just, uh, I'm a Republican, so here's what I believe about it. I'm a Democrat, here's what I No, no, no. Can't we get out of those boxes and see if we can find some real solutions? But there's no doubt that racial disparity, particularly in uh, the person being stopped on the street or, or uh, walking or wherever, there's a pretty stark racial disparity. And the racial disparity uh, is toward not just the color of the skin, it's also the poor, uh, different ethnicities, um, religious prejudice. How, how much in the United States now are Muslims or people who maybe appear to be Muslims how much are they discriminated against because this mechanism kicks in in the police or CIA or FBI or whoever that they fit the profile for this or that or the other? Well, that's a problem. But if they do fit the profile, do you just ignore that and say, even though they fit the profile, we're going to back off so that we don't do anything racially? Well there's a dilemma that we need to figure out a better 
solution to. Um, I did a, um, a book signing and a teaching in a maximum security prison. It's one of the best audiences I've ever had. I was there all day long. And um, their part of the day was a Muslim iman, which is like their preacher or priest. And we got to be, you know, decent friends. I really liked him. He seemed to like me. We talked a lot. Um, even about things we disagreed with, kindly. I was really enjoying our interaction. And then toward the end of the day, I said, can I ask you a personal question? And you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. And he said, sure. And I said, um, do you believe that you are supposed to kill me? And he teared up a little. He didn't cry, but he teared up a little pause for a long time and he said, Alex, if I'm perfectly honest, yes, but I promise you I never would. I never will. I, I consider you a friend. And then he went on to tell me and, and, and we hugged and I told him I consider you a friend too and I believe my job is to love you no matter what. And um, But he went on to tell me that um, one of the problems is that the terrorists, the Muslim terrorists and extremists, are a very, very small percentage of the, um, of the Muslim population. But he said the problem is, in his experience, the Muslims who are not terrorists will not tend to turn the terrorists in to authorities even if they know they're planning an attack. And he said the reason is very simple. If the terrorists find out, they will kill everybody related to that person. Kind of like the old mafia from Chicago and New York. You know, if you cross them, man, they killed you, they killed your wife, your children, they burned your house down, killed your dog, you know, every and everybody knew that. That's why they wouldn't cross them, all right? Well, this is not maybe that extreme, but it, it, it's similar. It, they know if they get caught telling the authorities or betraying their mission, the extremist mission, that um, they and everyone they know will be killed, that they might even kill everyone in the mosque, um, uh, it, you know. So they feel bad about it. The, the Muslims who are not terrorists, they feel bad about it. They pray about it. They try to talk them out of it maybe, but most of them will not betray them and turn them in for fear of their own death. Uh, there are 14 states without the death penalty. And research done indicates that those 14 states have the same or, in many cases, lower death penalty crimes than the death penalty states, which would lead you to believe that the death penalty is not working as a deterrent for extreme crimes, which is the reason we have it, all right? So it's, if it's not working for the reason we have it, why do we have it? Um, almost all death row inmates are extremely 
poor and cannot afford the, their own attorney. Okay? They, <clears throat> excuse me, they just can't afford it. All right? Um, and there are many causes for uh, uh, inmates being on death row who are innocent. One is the DNA thing. One is that uh, that evidence is destroyed after so many years so it's not available. Some of it is a horrible, poor job by the public defender because they can't, they can't afford their own attorney. And many times the ones that can afford their own attorney, they not, only not go, they not only do not end up on death row, they don't end up in jail many times. All right? Uh, sometimes police procedure is flawed. Sometimes the scientific evidence that proves their guilt was done incorrectly, but because they don't have a good lawyer that's not challenged, etc. There's, uh, there's eyewitness testimonial, testimony that is in error. It's what they thought they saw, or it's what they saw through a bias and prejudice that they have, or they just totally misheard or miss, missed what, the, what they thought they saw is not what they saw. Or they had poor eyesight but still said they saw something that they're not really sure that's what happened. There's all sorts of reasons and any one of those can put an innocent person in, pri <clears throat> in prison or even on death row. Since 1973, 1,200, over 1,200 <clears throat> have been executed since 1973 on death row. 1,200. 143 have been acquitted. That's right at 10%. When I was doing the research for this, I found multiple experts in this field who do a intelligent guesstimate from experience and most of them their guesstimate is that the actual number on death row who are innocent is well more than 10% probably easily 20% and um, ladies and gentlemen that that makes me shudder that makes my blood go cold. That I, whatever expression you want to use, that that very possibly twenty percent of all death row inmates are innocent. And to me, to Alex, I'm only speaking for me. Okay, you have every right to your opinion. One innocent person killed is too many. Um, so I think we've got to figure out what works and not base this on emotion, not base this on Democrat or Republican, but base it on what actually works, what doesn't work, what the Constitution says, what in practicality is happening, considering the, um, the bias toward uh, minorities, racial, religious, etc., and we've got to come up with something that works. And maybe in the interim, uh, we can figure out a way that the uh, people in prison and on death row 
can kind of pay for themselves. You know, they used to have the uh, making license plates, and here I'm largely talking about something I know very little about, so if what I'm saying is, is ludicrous, uh, uh, so be it. But yeah, I remember those days where uh, the inmates in prison were making things that could be sold out in the marketplace um, by the government to increase revenue. Uh, my uncle, Jack Lloyd, who uh, lived in Alabama and he was uh, one of the high people in Alabama state government at one point, very uh, uh, closely related to the governor of Alabama. And he was in charge of the prison um, farm, raising tomatoes and corn and beef and um, uh, all sorts of, of crops. And I will never forget going to visit down there um, once when I was a young child. And he drove us in his car all around the prison farms. He was so proud of them and said that, uh, that what they were doing was not only paying for all of the prison stuff that costs taxpayers money, but it was, it was producing way more revenue than that that the rest went to just the state government to use in other places where they had a deficit. And I remember, you know, him just wringing his hands about all the other states that could be doing things like that, but they're not. Instead, they're just they're sitting there. The inmates are just sitting there or watching TV, or which is really not good for them anyway. Um, there's an ancient manuscript that said, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. When we're not working, and we can work, I'm not talking about if you're 90 years old, but if you can work and don't, it will hurt you. Your health, your mentality, your emotions, everything. The research on people who retire and then just sit and watch TV every day and do nothing that's productive is exactly that. Within three or four years, they typically get sick and or die. The ones that stay busy and productive don't. They live way longer and healthier and happier, etc. So um, I do believe there are possibilities to make this way, way, way better. Will it ever be perfect? No, but perfection should be our um, intention. Because what if your child was the one in ten, or one of the two in ten, that was completely innocent and executed, or spent their life in prison? Would you ever be okay with that? And I think the answer is no. And I think as a people, we should never be okay with that. So, what's your opinion? Let's talk about it. I believe with all my heart when people of integrity and character come together checking their prejudice and biases at the door, they can virtually 100% of the time come to a solution that at least makes it better and in some cases uh, eliminates the problem altogether. How about it? I'll, I'll work with you if you'll work with me and let's find a better solution. Have a wonderful, blessed day.